This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Baldhead Bible Podcast is committed to keeping our show free to the public. However, as with everything, there are expenses involved, so if you would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com, that's patreon.com forward slash baldhead bible, and there you can become a supporting member for as low as $1 a month. While there, please check out some of the bonus material available only to our BHBP supporters. And some of that material includes Bible study guides to help you use the podcast to minister to your children, to minister in a Sunday school class, and to have some quality family devotions. All stories end, don't they? We as Americans, we love in particular a happy ending to that story. Where the hero wins the battle, overcomes the odds to defeat their enemy at the last gasp minute. We love happy endings. But sadly, not all stories have happy endings. And today's story is one of those. The ending of this story is one of failure, disobedience, and destruction of a nation. It is the end of the story for the nation of northern Israel. The story that began with Jeroboam now comes to a close. A tragic close. The guy named King Hoshea. Well, he wasn't king yet, but Hoshea was ready. He was probably hiding in the palace of King Pika. Maybe he was crouching just outside Pika's door early in the morning. Or maybe he hid behind a tree and caught the king off guard as he was walking in his garden. We have no clue of the exact way Hoshea offed Pika. But we do know this. He did it at the capital city of Samaria. And he did it with the help of the king of Assyria. For some reason, the king of Assyria, Tiglath-Pileser III, had grown tired of Pekah. Maybe he was sensing that Pekah was getting too big for his boots, or more probably, Pekah crossed Tiglath in some way, and therefore, Pekah had to die. Tiglath paid Hoshea to use his position as captain of the army to lead a revolt, an uprising, and assassinate Pika. And as always, money, power, and greed talk. And Hoshea rose up and killed his master. A bloody death, a dark assassination. 
These were the foundations of Hoshea's reign as king of northern Israel. Hoshea had the help of Assyria to take out Pekah, and then Hoshea ended up making northern Israel a vassal state to the mighty country of Assyria. What that means is northern Israel would have to pay tribute to Assyria. And they would have to send them money to keep Assyria happy and to avoid the wrath of Tiglath. Hoshea, or King Hoshea at this point, reigned for nine inglorious years. And during that time, Tiglath dies and his son Shalamanser V begins to reign. Maybe it was the transition in power, or maybe it was Hoshea just testing the waters, flexing his muscle, but Hoshea decided to contact King So, S-O, I like his name, simple, King So of Egypt. And he secretly tries to form an alliance with King So. And in the process, Hoshea has decided to stop paying the yearly tribute to Assyria. Essentially, Samaria, or northern Israel, northern Israel is sometimes called Samaria, essentially Samaria had to pay Assyria just to exist, to stop the Assyrians raiding into northern Israel. Well, Hoshea, he'd had enough at some point. And he tried to mount a rebellion with King So's help against the control of the Assyrians. Sadly, as noble as this sounds, he was unsuccessful in his revolt. And when Shalomancer V found out, well, Shalomancer decided to drop the hammer. He could not let northern Israel get away with this act of defiance. And so Shalomancer and the Assyrians... They move into northern Israel and take the capital, the city of Samaria, and they take the people of northern Israel captive, and then they deport them back to the country of Assyria, where they became slaves in the economy of Babylon, and they were exiled from the promised land. This is sad. The Jewish people of northern Israel are now completely removed from the land and sent into exile. But the thing is, the people knew this was coming. The people of northern Israel knew that they would be exiled if they had been reading their Torah because Moses says in the book of Deuteronomy that if the people, he gives them a warning, that if the people ever stopped obeying the Lord, and started to worship the gods of the people around them, that it says in Deuteronomy 28, 47, because you didn't serve the Lord your God with joy and a cheerful heart, even though you had an abundance of everything, verse 48, you will serve your enemies that the Lord will send against you in famine, thirst, nakedness, and a lack of everything. He will place an iron yoke on your neck until he has destroyed you. Basically, Moses is saying, if you do not obey the Lord, if you do not obey Yahweh, this is going to happen. Moses goes on to say, just as the Lord 
who is glad to cause you to prosper and to multiply you, so he will also be glad to cause you to perish and to destroy you. You will be ripped out of the land you are entering to possess. Deuteronomy 28.63 And that was roughly five to six hundred years before this tragic event with Hoshea. So Hoshea and the people knew or could have known that if they continued down this path of disobedience, of worshiping other gods, of pursuing other gods, of doing things that blaspheme the very law of God, that God would judge them by sending them into exile. The writer of 2 Kings makes it abundantly clear to us today as to why the Israelites were taken from their homeland into captivity. He makes it abundantly clear. He says this disaster happened because the people of Israel sinned against the Lord their God who had brought them out of the land of Egypt from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and because they worshipped other gods. 2 Kings 17 verse 7. The writer of 2 Kings then lists all the ways the people were disobedient. And at the head of that list was their love of worshiping other gods who were not Yahweh. They created high places and offered incense to pagan gods. They even began to participate in child sacrifice. All in an attempt to appease and pacify these other inferior gods. But why? What is so appealing about worshiping these other gods rather than worshiping the one true God, Yahweh? I don't get it. God blessed the people with abundance, with wealth and property, and gave them a beautiful promised land to call home. Again, back in Deuteronomy, Moses points out, he says, now, if you faithfully obey the Lord your God, and are careful to follow all his commands. This is found in Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. If you will faithfully obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow all his commands I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will put you far above all the nations of the earth. Verse 2. All these blessings will come and overtake you because you obey the Lord your God. Verse 3. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. Your offspring will be blessed in your land's produce and the offspring of your livestock, including the young of your herds and the newborn of your flocks. Your basket and kneading bowl will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will cause the enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before you. They will march out against you from one direction, but flee from you in seven directions. The Lord will grant you a blessing on your barns and on everything you do. He will bless you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And then later on in Deuteronomy 30 verse 15, it says, Moses set before the people, you have the chance for blessing or the chance for cursing by God. See, today I've set before you life and prosperity, death and adversity. 
For I'm commanding you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commands, statutes, and ordinances, so that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God may bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away, you do not listen. You are led astray to bow and worship to other gods and serve them. I tell you today that you will certainly perish and will not prolong your days in the land you are entering to possess across the Jordan. Roughly five to six hundred years later, the people had chosen to be disobedient, to reject the blessings and instead to pursue a life that would bring the curses of God upon their lives and would lead them into exile again, I ask, why? Why would Israel choose that? And then I think, are we any different today? I mean, we know if we obey the words and commands of Jesus as found in the Bible that we will be blessed. Jesus says in John fourteen fifteen, If you love me, keep my commandments. Many of us reject the blessing of God on our lives by choosing to pursue things that God strictly forbids. But do we care? Do we stop and think about what we are inviting into our lives by doing this? Well, the people of northern Israel were gone, and their cities laid waste. In their place, Shalemanser V brought in his own people to take over the land. But you know, when he did that, something really interesting happened. The people began to be devoured by lions. Multiple packs of lions began to attack the people who came back to inhabit the land the Jewish people left behind. It is interesting that the people who came back knew these lion attacks were not normal and that they came from the fact that the local deity was displeased with them. They did not know how to please the god of this land. They just knew the god of this land was mad at them. It says in 2 Kings 17 verse 26 that the settlers said to the king of Assyria, the nations that you have deported and placed in the cities of Samaria do not know the requirements of the God of the land. Therefore, he has sent lions among them that are killing them because the people don't know the requirements of the God of the land. I mean, that's so interesting to me. That God expects the people who are going to inhabit his land to worship him in the right way. Well, these people who came back, who filled up the land the Jewish people left behind, these people were what we would call syncretistic in their religion. These people worshipped their gods, but they were syncretistic. They were willing to add Yahweh to their list of gods. It says in 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 33, that they, the people who were coming back, they feared the Lord, but they also worshipped their own gods according to the practice of the nations from which they had been deported. 
So King Shalamancer V had sent people back from Iraq, Iran, maybe some people he'd gotten from some part of what we call Russia today, even people from maybe further east or maybe further south. But he sent all these people who were his ambassadors, who he was in charge of, he sent them to fill up the land that was left behind where where Israel was. Now these people are going to take that land, take those cities. And when they got there, they found that the local God was mad at them, Yahweh. So they wanted to please Yahweh, but they did not know how. So Shalomancer sends them a priest from the Jewish people that he has in Babylon, he sends a priest back to lead them in the right worship of Yahweh. And it's interesting, this priest settles in the town of Bethel. Now, it is important to remember that Bethel had become a center of cultic worship to a golden calf that the people had set up. I mean, this was a bad place. This was not a place where people were given to worshiping the one true God, Yahweh. No, they were given to worshiping a golden calf in Bethel and then also further north in a town called Dan. And so this priest, by settling in Bethel, probably reveals that he is not a priest who is interested in the true worship of Yahweh. And once these people knew what Yahweh expected of them, even if they were being misled by this false prophet, they at least were able to come to a better understanding of what was expected. They just decided to incorporate Yahweh into their pantheon of gods and to keep on worshiping their other gods while probably sort of worshiping Yahweh. The Bible says they feared the Lord, which sounds good, but the Bible also says they also feared a whole bunch of other gods and it lists them. And one of them is the god of the underworld, Nerval. And the other gods, we don't even know what part of the world or underworld or upper world that these gods were in control of, but all these gods were there, and so in the midst of them was Yahweh. It's so sad. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the mightiest God of all time is just in this mix of other gods. Now it's interesting. From these people, that came back to fill the land, who got a little bit of an understanding of how to worship Yahweh, probably from a priest whose heart was not totally devoted to the worship of Yahweh, but he knew enough to stop the lions attacking him, you know, sort of like that. From these people who worshiped Yahweh, but a whole bunch of other gods, came a people that the Jewish people hundreds of years later, would end up hating. From these people came a group of people called the Samaritans. The Samaritans were racially a mixture of Israelites and various other ancient Near Eastern people, and they were despised by full-blooded Jews. In Jesus' day, the animosity between the two groups was evident with the Samaritans having their own center of worship and their own temple. And and all this began when the people of Israel, God's chosen people, were removed from the presence of the Lord. 
And that's what happened. It says in 2 Kings 17, verse 23, Finally, the Lord removed Israel from his presence, just as he had declared through all his servants, the prophets. The people of northern Israel, because they worshipped other gods, because they practiced pagan arts in secret, but God saw it all. God said, you have to be removed from my presence. And he allows the king of Assyria to come in and take those people and remove them back, put them in exile into Babylon and that region. And then the land is filled up with people from other countries who are following other gods. And they start to incorporate a little bit of Yahweh into their worship. And from them we get the people called the Samaritans who ended up being a rival and an enemy of the Jewish people. The end. This is how the story of northern Israel ended. With deportation, disgrace, and exile. But it didn't have to be. I mean, God sent them prophets and other men and women to call the people back to obedience. I mean, we've covered the life of Elijah, Elisha, priest after priest, and others who called the people back to loving and obeying and worshiping the one true God. But they didn't listen. And I think they stand as a warning to us in our own time. I think we have to be careful to stop obeying the commands of God and to just add Jesus to our lists of interests or things we do is quite often what people do. We are not as blatant about it as they were in this time, but many of us have just added Jesus to the list of deities we worship. We get things when we worship Jesus. Some of you get approval of friends, family. You get some good connections. You get some good vibes from giving your money to good causes. And maybe you get meaning and worth from showing up every Sunday. But in the end, we don't have a heart given to worshiping Jesus in spirit and in truth. We don't know what Jesus really wants because we don't read his word. We just serve him as a cultural add-on. Jesus alludes to this when he says that when he comes back in glory to judge the living and the dead, that some will say and retell of all these great things that they did for Jesus. Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Or how many of us are rejecting the blessings of God in our lives? The peace that comes with obedience. The peace that comes with knowing that You are obeying God as best you can. I think a lot of us instead live with daily guilt 
chastisement, discipline from the Lord. Why? Because we forget God for just a moment and pursue the God called lust or the God called greed or the God called money or gluttony. God calls us back to his word and is patient and kind and he calls us back to obedience. But we don't listen and we turn a blind eye and a deaf ear to the call of Christ. In many ways, we are no different from the people of northern Israel who could have turned to a loving God. God says, I will bless you and bless you and bless you. All you have to do is be obedient. But instead, we hear the siren call of the flesh. And we forget about the blessings. And we end up pursuing the things that are going to destroy us and curse us. And make our lives incredibly difficult. But Jesus says, I offer you peace. Pursue me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I just want to encourage you, if you don't know the Lord as your Savior, the Bible says all you have to do is ask him to save you, and he promises he will. The Bible says all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Just ask him to save you, and he will. And then you've entered into a new life where you can grow in grace and sanctification and in understanding who Jesus is and pursuing him Then you get involved in a church with other believers and you grow in that knowledge of him and you get blessing upon blessing upon blessing. Man, I hope you've done that and I hope you're currently pursuing Jesus with all your heart and mind. But I also know I'm speaking to some people who have been in the church for years, but their heart is growing cold. You've grown up in a Christian family, but you've started to not care. And the the cries of the world and the sounds of the world seem so much more fun than this thing called obedience. And I don't know, it might cost me something if I say I'm a Christian in public. Because, you know, uh, Christians are all against these things that the world's for. And I don't know if I want to be aligned with them might cost me something. I encourage you, don't choose that. Don't make Jesus one of your cultural add-ons. Don't be like Lord. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.